drugs, science, and everything else. They slap down a new topic and dash off to the next. It's a great big world with so much to know, like cryptids, time travel, and the history of Poe. If you wanna be a smarty, better learn something fast with Shannon and Jason on Slapdash Podcast. On today's episode, we are discussing all things green. In honor of St. Patrick's Day, we thought, hey, St. Patrick's Day is known for the color green. There are tons of cool green things. So we're going to talk about them in this, ep- in this particular episode. Across from me is a man who is known to have a green thumb and also potentially a hidden pot of gold. Shannon Deaton, top of the evening to you. Top of the evening, Jason <laughs> Creekmore. I do have a pot of gold. You have, to, you have to chase me, though, apparently. That's part of it. Right? Okay. Don't you have to hunt the leprechaun down? If, if we go outside and I just start to chase you around <laughs> around Slapdash headquarters, we might get maybe some interesting looks from the neighbors. You never yeah, know. We, we might, yeah. But, yeah, so, so St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I like St. Patrick's Day. I remember being like in elementary, middle school, and like, ooh, I get to pinch you, or yeah. that type of thing, you know. And so now, pretty much, it, it, it always ends like with a shamrock shake at McDonald's for me, or whatever. <laughs> That's kind of, but but I still like it. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Do, do, does it still dawn on you to wear something green on St. Patrick's no, Day? No. Neither. No, it just does. I've not done that like in years. But I remember, you know, like in elementary, middle school, that sort of being a thing. It was a big deal. You know, yeah. There were people who came prepared. And oh, you know yeah. who those people were. Like, you would walk in on a day, on St. Patrick's Day, head to toe, green. They're, they're wearing a, you <laughs> know. Like incredible a, Hulk. <laughs> they look like the Incredible Hulk. Shamrock cap. I mean, and here you are, you know, wearing whatever. And you're like. A Batman shirt. <laughs> oh, no. Because you know what kind of day you're in for yeah. in fifth grade if you're not wearing the green i think actually it was either fourth or fifth grade that i went home like with bruises that day oh, no. or like they would twist my arm so hard yeah and at the time i didn't really, you know i was like oh, oh yeah. very funny but then later on i went home and i had like three or four bruises on me i always found a magic marker if if i forgot <laughs> i would literally you know and i kind of do it secretively like in a place they couldn't see like you know under the sleeve right. or palm of the hand sort of thing because the rule at my grade school was if someone pinched you and you actually had green you got to pinch them twice oh so you know I would kind of be deceptive a little bit and, you know, not flaunt my greenness. <laughs> Your greenness. <laughs> I'd wait to get pinched and I'd be like, you, sir, are guess in what? Yeah, Guess what? <laughs> you know, pull the sleeve up and then you just That's see, right. you just watch their face and they just lose all color. It's it's like double mint, which is also something green, right? Uh-huh. Get a... The uh, two pinch there. The right? two pinch. Two for one. Yeah, that's right? how it goes. Yeah. So, Shannon, there are absolutely tons of green things, and I believe that we have a list of some of those green things. And I'll be honest, when I was uh, researching some of this, uh, some of it I knew, some of it I had absolutely no idea about some of the fun facts and interesting things behind some of these green items. Yep. So I hope our listeners uh, will enjoy this episode. I think it's kind of fun. It is. So the first topic that we're going to discuss is money. So specifically paper money. Ooh. So I have some really interesting things about this. You like money, right? Is money green? Yeah, money's green. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, most money. Right. Now in Europe, not never mind. All right, so in America, you know, <laughs> our money's green. So from 1793 into 1861, over 1,600 private banks issued money under state charter. So there, there was no really one federal recognized Currency, so state by state, so to speak, they yeah. had their own currency, and even some and some like multiple currencies within states. It was almost like uh, uh, banks were, like, were really in charge of that kind of just in in a in a geographic region. It wasn't until 1861 that there was a federal dollar that was created, and those were referred to as greenbacks. 
Uh-huh. Uh, in yeah. 1914, the U.S. began printing Federal Reserve notes, which is what we really have now. So mm-hmm. what we call bills or dollar bills, those are actually Federal Reserve notes, and those began being printed in 1914. It cost between, and this, this surprised me, between 6.2 cents and 11.2 cents to print a single bill. Well, what are we doing here? Crazy. I don't, you know, it, it, I've got a quarter, man. I've got that's, a, uh, that's all it takes? Fire up the printer, buddy. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's called counterfeiting. Oh, <laughs> and so, different yeah, episode. Yeah, that's also a crime. We can go to jail for that. Oops, never mind. Uh, <laughs> I, I like podcasting. That's all uh, I do in my free time. <laughs> no counterfeiting here, I promise. But it, what's interesting is that, uh, I mean, a bill is a bill. Yeah. But some bills actually cost almost double to, to create than other bills. And, and I guess it's because of maybe image or the amount of color or other other things. Well, but, I, have a, I have a theory on that. Okay. So I used to work as a, a cashier at a grocery okay. store when I was a teenager. And I started noticing um, my second or third year there that the $100 bills and maybe even the $50 bills started having additional counter uh, anti-counterfeiting measures. Have, have you looked right. oh, closely yeah. at them? Yeah, like a little like – nowadays there's I a think water like a little blue line. There's a, a blue line. There's, there's a little thin uh, piece of plastic actually inserted uh, into the bill itself. Very thin. Very thin that you can see. And I don't think that's present in all currency. I think it's just the higher dollar amounts. So I don't know how much that drives up the price necessarily, but maybe if we're only talking cents here. Well, well, quite a bit. So it's it's, again, it's between 6.2 cents and 11.2 cents uh, to print a bill depending on what, you know, the the amount of the bill. Uh, Bills are printed by the Bureau of Engraving and, uh, and they are printed in either Fort Worth, Texas, or Washington, D.C. And so now this is something I thought was pretty cool. In the physical year of 2020, there, uh, the, the Bureau of Engraving printed 1.5 billion $1 bills, 460 million $10 bills, All right. 236 million $50 bills, 467 million $5 bills, 1.7 billion $20 bills hmm. and $1.3 billion $100 bills. So the bill that they actually produce the most of is the $20 bill at just a little bit more than $1.7 billion $20 bills. That's incredible. And those things last forever. You know, yep. you can find bills with dates on them, you yeah. know, decades ago. Oh, yeah. And so uh, basically uh, right now, uh, really on any given like day, week, month, there is roughly $1 trillion in circulation uh, across the United States at, wow. at, at any given moment. At any moment. Yeah. That's about incredible. $1 trillion. So money, at least paper money, uh, it's a green thing. Pretty cool. And also the reason why it is green is because that that particular color, the dye on the paper, is uh, most resistant to like chemical and physical changes. Oh, okay. That can so be that's done why to last it, forever. Even in the sunlight, even if it's just sort of like, you know, in someone's car or whatever. Yeah. But that's the reason why it's green is that is it that particular color fades the least yeah. among all the other colors. I love or it. compared to all other colors. That's great. So there is green money. Green money. You know what else is green? What's that? Turtles. And you know what kind of turtles specifically? Not in a half shell. Surely not. <laughs> turtles in a half shell. The the teenage <laughs> mutant ninja turtles. Have you heard of this oh, yeah. crazy bunch? Oh yeah. Uh, I love a staple of childhood. And yep. I even thought about doing a whole episode on these guys at some point because there's yeah. just so much out there. There's man. a lot lot a lot to unpack on these on these uh, four <laughs> four or five young teenagers. They really are. They are. And 
if you're unfamiliar with uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they are a fictional superhero quartet of teenage anthropomorphic turtles. And I, I love that I said that word. I know? know that's what I said when I was like 12. <laughs> I thought, who anthropomorphic turtles? <laughs> uh, they first appeared in Mirage Comics in 1984. They were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. You know, famously, the turtles are named after Italian Renaissance artists Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, and Raphael. Now, Jason, did you have a favorite Ninja Turtle at any point in time? I, I, I did. I'll be honest. I forgot their names now. I want to say it's either maybe Michelangelo or Donatello, the one who loved pizza the most. Because <laughs> they all love pizza. They all love pizza. A but, bit. But one of them was really. One was really into some pizza. Yeah, and I forgot. I think it's Mikey. Uh, okay, I think it's Michelangelo. That's, yep. that's what I thought. Yeah, so he was my favorite. Sure, yeah. I, I want to say I started out as, um, because me and my cousins, you know, you uh, had to pick one. Right. That, that's yeah. how it worked. You had to if identify with one If you're going to play right. Ninja Turtles, you know. You're the, either the nunchuck guy or. The sword guy, yeah. the bow guy, whatever. Uh, I think I started out as Raphael, the, okay. the red one with the, like the two sides, the oh, da- yeah. daggers. Yeah. And I get I got kicked off of him because I'm the youngest cousin. And okay. he, he's apparently a cooler turtle. So I got moved <laughs> over to the purple wearing turtle, uh, Donatello. <laughs> he's the he's like the nerdy one that uh, uh, completely uncharacteristic. Does all the computer me. Doesn't stuff. Doesn't reflect me at all. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> you just got it's not not your problem, uh, no, right? I, I think he had a podcast, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> turtle power, turtle power. Uh, but here, here, here are a few fun facts about the Ninja Turtles. Uh, Pizza Hut, and you can guess why they were involved here. They sponsored a popular international concert tour starring the Ninja Turtles. Have you heard about this one? I have. Yep. That's <laughs> pretty cool. The, the tour was called Coming Out of Their Shells. <laughs> It's no joke, man. I, I, I'll confess, I own both the VHS cassette of Coming Out of Their Shells, which was a live stage performance, as well as the uh, the audio cassette. And, and to this day, uh, I still have the audio cassette. Do you really? <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> their, their hit there was Pizza Power. That oh, was yeah. the big one. Sure. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I didn't realize that stage shows were, I don't know, staged. Right. <laughs> So, uh, basically, you have the four turtles on stage. They're singing. Uh, it, you know, the reason it's called coming out of their shells is because they don't have shells for some reason. I mean, they're literally out of their shells, which to, to most turtles, that means death. But, but not, not to these, these guys. Not these bad boys. So, they're on stage. You know, one of them's playing a keyboard. One's playing the guitar. Somebody's on drums, etc. And then, all of a sudden, everything blacks out. And you see just this image on the screen pop up. And it's the shredder. Oh. And as a kid, I thought, oh, Turn no. Turn on the lights. Turn on the lights. <laughs> yeah. So he, he kind of like takes over the stage show. And he comes out and he sings a number or something about new kids on the block. It's it's really, <laughs> it's really silly. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they, they had this whole back and forth of uh, shredder takes over the show. And then they take it back over and that whole thing. But, yeah, this, this show brought in or this tour brought in um, – millions and millions of dollars it, it cost 20 sure. million to produce it sold out all over the world i mean it's just incredible that uh, something like this can, right. can make it now he, here's an interesting fact too when uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles were released in europe talking about the cartoon the creators didn't know how sensitive european audiences were to the word ninja Okay. okay. <laughs> it's a no-no. Okay. All right. So the fear, and this is a direct quote from a, from a source, uh, the fear was that the word ninja was too violent a word and might lead children into a life as assassins. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because that was my first thought. I thought, man, those guys are eating that pizza and they're stabbing people. You know what I want to do when I grow up? 
you know, besides counterfeit money and podcasts. <laughs> I want to be an assassin. <laughs> you mean a murderer? No, 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 no. An assassin. Yeah, the, and and the word, sir, is ninja. I, I want to be a ninja because it's, it's like, like an occupation. I can see all of the uh, the uh, European data. It's like you know pre turtles. Like there was like four assassins like in the, in the entire continent. And after that, there's like we have 1.2 million assassins it now. Just spikes all of a sudden, and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And they say it almost like assassin or ninja is an occupation like something like they're taking out ads in the newspaper it's like you know what what can i be i can be a burger flipper i can be a lawyer a doctor a ninja part-time yeah, ninja one just apply and go in part-time ninja. <laughs> it's the only true kind of ninja sure. sir because real ninjas don't work 40 hour weeks no. all right you know they they know what's up but local censors in europe changed the tv show's title to teenage mutant hero turtles because apparently it's fine to grow up to be a hero just not a ninja right <laughs> so turtles are green jason what else is green oh i don't know shannon how about grass Ooh, <clears throat> i'm actually looking out the window here and i'm seeing the grass is beginning to turn green in spots yeah it's, it's about that it, time it's of coming year. back a little that's bit. that's right huh? yeah so 20 percent of the world's surface is covered in grass over 1400 different species of grass in the world uh, a beautiful, well-kept lawn can increase the value of a home between 10 to 20%. <laughs> you sound like a real estate agent. I do. Right. <laughs> Here's what you can do. A 2,500-square-foot lawn produces enough oxygen <laughs> for a family of four. What? So... <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, okay, now here's the one that's going to blow you away. Are you ready? I Cut. hope so. Yeah. Buckle up right here. I'm ready. There are. Now, ninja grass. <laughs> I, ninja grass. I'm glad I did not have to do the counting on this. There are 418 million blades of grass for every one human on earth. Wow. Wow. I want to repeat that. Yeah. 418 million blades of grass for every one person on earth. I think that's an estimate. <laughs> I don't think that was an actual study that they went around on, on the planet, you know, counting the blades of grass. But think about that. Though. I want my share. That's right. Because <laughs> where, where's, where am I? Where are my 418 million blades? I don't of know. Because last time I counted, I only had 86 million in my front yard. <laughs> And I don't know if it's 2,500 square feet either. That's great. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, one thing about uh, March, too, obviously we're getting into the, the Easter season. And I always like the fake grass, you know, that you can just go by. It's so funny to me that you can can't go in. You can't get rid of that stuff, though. It's, it's like tinsel on it's, a Christmas tree. It's like tree. static electricity. And it sort of <laughs> clings to you. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, but you can go into a store, you know, you buy your eggs, you buy your chocolate bunnies, and then you buy like this plastic grass. Yeah. And, and it's all fun and games until the absolute first moment you open the package up. Because <laughs> when you do, it's just like glue on you yep. and you cannot keep it in the basket no matter nope. how hard you try but nevertheless grass is a very important green thing in our lives it sure is yeah you, you know what else is important what's that reading is important reading and, is important and you know one of our favorite books that i read to my children you know at least once or twice a month just depending on what they ask for it is a book called green eggs and ham green eggs you ever and heard ham. of this one? i have this is a popular dr seuss book i remember showing up to uh, elementary school a couple of times on dr seuss day oh yeah and they would have green eggs and ham in the cafeteria have you ever had green oh yes and ham? yeah yes schools do that quite often yeah yeah it's i'm kind of cool it is cool and I, I was hoping it was die i don't know <laughs> I, I have my assumptions we're still sitting here so 
it, could, it. it couldn't have been too bad. <laughs> it worked out. But Green Eggs and Ham is a children's book by Dr. Seuss, first published in 1960. And as of 2019, the book had sold 8 million copies worldwide. I would have thought more. Yeah, that really kind of shocks me. I mean, 8 million yeah. is massive, but... You know, when you're talking about Dr. Seuss has been around for decades, I would have thought probably more than that, too. I would have thought so. Now, here are a few facts about Green Eggs and Ham. The book uses only 50 different words. And if you think about it, that's that's kind of true. Within the first couple of pages, we see the I am Sam, Sam I am. Right. Right. So just in different order, just yeah. in a different order, rearranges some things. And the reason this came to pass is it was due to a bet that Dr. Seuss made with his editor. The Cat in the Hat, which was published previously, uses 225 words. And Seuss's editor bet him that he couldn't use fewer. And he said, au contraire, dear sir. Really? <laughs> he sure did. Uh, so the, the entire book is composed just of 50 different words, which is a uh, feat unto itself. Wow. Yeah. Here's some something cool. In 2007, a federal judge used green eggs and ham as inspiration in a 2007 court order after receiving a hard-boiled egg in the mail from an inmate protesting his diet in prison. Okay. Okay, so that's a lot to unpack. That's, that's kind of, <laughs> you know, there's a lot that went down right there. I'm not even sure how that happened, to be honest. Right. So, but anyhow. I, yeah, I don't know. So prisoners can mail things to federal judges, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would be more concerned about that. Yeah. But putting that aside for a moment, the judge receives a hard-boiled egg, right? So the judge responds. He orders that the egg be destroyed. That's that's the first thing. Good move. I, yeah, I'm behind him on that. And he wrote the following in the court order. Quote, I do not like them in any style. I will not take them fried or boiled. I will not take them poached or broiled. I will not take them soft or scrambled, despite an argument well rambled. No fan I am of the egg at hand. Destroy that egg. Today, today. Today, I say, without delay. <laughs> I know federal judges that, can do this that, sort of thing. It's kind of a good sense of humor there. I kind of I, like that. I think it's funny, but also I'm... Uh, <laughs> I've kind of wondered, you know, how far could you take something like that? Like, I don't know. You know, if a federal judge can just do that sort of thing in a court order. It's funny, sure, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, this book is uh, really, really interesting, uh, near and dear to my heart, and definitely part of our family library. Jason, what else is green? So something else that is green, Shannon, are the Boston Celtics. Ooh. The Boston Celtics. So the Celtics, is uh, they are one of the original eight NBA teams uh, that were that was founded in 1946. Okay. okay. So they've been around for quite some time. They have not really changed anything at all. I mean, like yeah. the style of their uniforms. They're still dragging Larry Bird around. It's, still, <laughs> it's just Larry Bird's coming in. years old. Like, po- post him up. <laughs> It's, they're still green and white. They're still the Celtics. The uniform's the same. I mean, virtually, you can look at a uniform like from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and today, and it's looks vir- the same. It's virtually identical. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the floor, you know, they have the uh, the uh, parquet floor that they're known for. So they're very much into tradition there, uh, and rightfully so. They have won an NBA best 17 world championships, including eight in a row and 10 out of 11 from 1959 uh, through 1969. The Boston Celtics have a ton of NBA legends such as Bill Russell, Larry Bird, who you mentioned a while ago, who's, I think, 86 now or whatever, (laughs) Kevin McHale, Bob Cousy, John Havlicek, and legendary coach Red Arbach. Uh, The team chose the name Celtics because of the city's large Irish population at the time in the 1940s. Yeah. So I remember, Shannon, when I was a kid, I mean, I I think when you're growing up, there's sort of like you have two time periods that you're a kid. 
right? Mm-hmm. You're a kid from like in you know elementary school, maybe early middle school, and then you're kind of getting a little bit older, like seventh, eighth grade through high school. Mm-hmm. There's sort of two time periods in my mind. Yeah. So when I was a kid growing up, uh, th- this rivalry kind of spanned those two. Like I remember, you know, watching basketball and really like being aware of what was going on when I was probably like eight or nine years old. And, uh, you know, and so uh, I watched it during this time period. So it was the Boston Celtics versus the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm -hmm. And so this went on for like a solid probably eight years. So you were either a Larry Bird fan and a Celtics fan or you were a Magic Johnson Lakers fan. And I remember, you know, that all the way through like upper elementary, going into middle school, even kind of going into high school a little bit. You had to pick a side. You had to pick a side. So the Celtics... Uh, just you know, when you say NBA, that's definitely one of the the, the teams that pop in your mind in terms of tradition. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I instantly think Celtics, Lakers, and then everybody else really, and then I, maybe maybe the Bulls right underneath that, just the Jordan you know uh, era there. But uh, when you think of a a green sports team, <laughs> it's definitely the Boston Celtics without doubt. You know, any other time I see the word Celtics, it, it well, you know, when it's Boston Celtics, I think Celtics like. Right. C- Oh, yes I got sound. you. Yeah. Every other time I see it, it's Celtic. Celtic. I, and I have no idea why. Okay. I well, guess it's because the word either. Boston's in front of it. Yeah, because it's the same <laughs> thing. Because it's, it's you know, a Celtic heritage or yeah. Celtic music. The or Celtic women. They're, or what, they're a yeah. well-known uh, oh, Irish yeah. uh, folk singing yeah. choir. But for whatever reason, it's the Celtics when you're talking about the NBA team. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, I think I would be sort of uh, remiss if I hadn't mentioned the Boston Celtics in yeah. regard to all things all things uh, green. Now, Shannon, something that is not green, at least to my knowledge, unless we've added something recently. <laughs> Slapdash merchandise. Not green. I don't think Still we have green. any green Slapdash merchandise, but nevertheless, let's uh, listen. Let's take a break for a few moments and let's listen to a little bit about that merchandise. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. We're happy to announce that the podcast now has a merchandise store. Shannon, everyone loves hoodies and everyone loves coffee. Yeah, and you can pick up a nice Slapdash hoodie or a Slapdash mug and drink your next cup of joe right out of a Slapdash cup. <laughs> we also have t-shirts and stickers. Yeah, we do. So come on by and log on to www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. That's www.slapdashpod.com forward slash store. We are back and we are discussing all things green. We've already talked about a few different things, but the next one up on the list is the first thing that actually came to mind when we started brainstorming ideas for this episode, and it is green plastic army men. Jason, I had tons of these, buckets of these. I love them. The cheapest, oh, cheapest, yeah. cheapest toy in the world, yeah. but I swear hours and hours of fun with these. Absolutely. Loved them. Yeah. And and they were made famous in Toy Story. You know, oh, of course, yeah. I knew about them well before yeah. that, but yeah, I think it's really iconic to think of them in Toy Story. You've got Sarge and you've got all the yeah. guys. And they look just like the, you know, there's, <laughs> there's some squatted down with a gun. There's some on a radio. Yeah. You know, they're all in these different positions. They, they look dead up, just like the, <laughs> just like the soldiers. You know, the one that never made sense to me until I got older, it's that guy that's like on his belly. You know what I'm talking about he doesn't have a gun like there is one that's like in a like a prone position with a gun but there's one who's just like flat face down on his belly and i always thought that guy was dead (laughs) like i didn't understand that he was like crawling through the the trenches or whatever i thought oh no i i got a dead one (laughs) 
These guys are toy soldiers. They're about five centimeters tall and most commonly molded from green, nearly unbreakable plastic. Right. You can't no matter stop how hard guys. you try. There's nothing you can do. Uh, so the first American plastic toy soldiers were made by Bergen Toy and Novelty Company in 1938. I didn't know these guys were that old. I didn't realize that, no. No, and you can get them everywhere. Uh, Obviously, you can get these buckets of the green soldiers at Walmart. You can find them at the dollar store. You can find them just randomly anywhere, you know, they're... they're it's, sold in it's, bulk. It's basically like a yo-yo yeah. or like a paddle ball. I mean, like there's just it's just a very, very extremely common toy. Such a common toy. Uh, so toy soldiers were originally made not of plastic, but of lead or a sawdust and glue mixture called composition. I, <laughs> lead? <laughs> they were made of lead. Number Are you one. sure it wasn't asbestos? <laughs> I need some asbestos soldiers. Uh, yeah, you know the the lead one gave me pause, but sawdust and glue. <laughs> I, I guess uh, that seems pretty cheaply made. There, uh, it does. It it fits the tradition quite mm-hmm. nicely. But uh, Jason, you know, one common characteristic of the Green Army men is that up until recently they were all men. Okay. Oh yeah, I had never really realized I, that I, honestly. I, I hadn't thought about it. I mean, I hadn't to, thought to about it. Yeah. So for the first time in history, uh, plastic army women are now in production and were released in time for Christmas 2020. And it's an interesting story how all this started. There was a little girl. She was on a family vacation and she won like at an arcade or something, uh, just a bag of these little plastic army dudes. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. She took them home. She poured them out on the table. She started sorting through them. There's bazooka guy. There's rifle guy. There's flat on his belly guy. <laughs> but there was there were no women. It right. was just all men. So she started writing these letters to all these various toy companies and she sent these out and they were all handwritten. I think uh, one of her, either her grandma or her mom helped her draft all of them. And when I was looking this up, I saw pictures pictures of it and it's like she has like a backwards s oh yeah doesn't spell words correctly i mean it's very obviously but, written but, by a little girl but i'm sure those were going to be read and like really taken to heart <laughs> you were. know i mean like just because of that they right? were yeah. yeah so so they went out you know all over the place and the letter simply read this quote why do you not make girl army men my friend's mom is in the army too so why don't you make them too? So, uh, you know, end quote. That, that's, Great question. It's a good question. Yeah. Now, out of all of those letters that went out, only one toy maker responded to the little, to the little girl and the president wrote directly back to her and huh. said, I don't know why we don't do this. We should do this. So as of Christmas 2020, she got two bags in the mail of these little really uh, yeah plastic That's toy awesome. soldiers That's a, a who cool are story. women yeah uh, and the the company is called BMC Toys located in Scranton Pennsylvania. So huh. that's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So toy soldiers are green, Jason. What what else is green? How about Kermit the Frog? Is he green? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miss Piggy. And we've been watching so much Kermit the Frog lately. There's a new show. Oh, I don't know how new it is, but there's a show on Disney Plus uh-huh. called Muppet Babies. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's on 24-7. And uh, my... Um, it's all the same characters. They're just like toddlers. They're almost. little. There's, right. there's Kermit the Frog. There's Miss Piggy. There's... Uh, who's, who says Waka Waka? Is it, uh, uh, Fonzie? Fozzie Bear. Fo- fo- not, not Fonzie. Fozzie. It's Happy Days. <laughs> waka Waka A. That's Henry Winkler. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Fozzie. Yeah. But my girls have so much fun with it. My two-year-old, uh, she doesn't know it's called Muppet Babies. She calls it Muffet Babies. <laughs> and, and yeah, so... So if she's watching a show, she says, I want Muffet Beebies. I want Muffet Beebies. 
That's, That's awesome. But anyway, Kermit gets his so, fair share of the adventure. Well, hey, who doesn't like the Muppets, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I love the Muppets. Uh, the Muppets were created, and specifically Kermit the Frog, by Jim Henson uh, in 1955. They or Kermit first appeared on a show called Salmon Friends. Oh, okay. In 1955. Now, here's some interesting things, though. Uh, Kermit was actually made from an old coat, an old discarded coat. <laughs> kind of looks like that, doesn't it? <laughs> and two ping pong balls <laughs> for, his, for his eyes. And, you know, if I just would, would have placed that coat in two ping pong balls uh-huh. and I said, what character is this? You probably would have guessed Kermit like within 10 seconds, Easily. right? Yeah. That's exactly what he looks like. But now, this is what's uh, interesting, though. At first, Kermit was referred to as, quote, a creature of indeterminate species. In fact, when Kermit debuted, he was not called Kermit the Frog. He was just called Kermit. And the first person to publicly refer to him as a frog, jokingly, was Johnny Carson. Really? Johnny Carson referred to him as Kermit the Frog, and from that day forward, it was he was referred he was to as frog. the Frog. Yeah. Did he always have the same look? I mean, he always he, had he this, looks like a frog. Yeah, he always had the same look, but they just never really referred to him as a frog. Huh. And and the the early renditions of him, he didn't have like the the uh, the pointy yeah collar some kind of like like yeah, a thing around his like neck. a triangle type thing. Yeah. yeah. So he didn't have that early on. I guess frogs uh, don't have that either, though. What is that? <laughs> no guess. Let's go grab one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, frog. I kind of associate that thing with a frog because right. of Kermit the Frog, but I don't think real frogs have that at all. What is that? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Uh, another interesting point: in 1996, Kermit received an honorary doctorate from Southampton <laughs> College in the field of. <laughs> Oh no! Amphibious letters. <laughs> I can't even make that up. I hope our listeners are taking notes because you can do it. <laughs> if I mean, Kermit the Frog can do it. If an old coat and two ping balls <laughs> can get an honor, can get a doctor. <laughs> You, you can too. Hang in there, buddy. So that was Kermit the Frog. I love Kermit the Frog. Love love the Muppets. I do too. They're they're wonderful. So uh, what else do you have that's green? Well, you know, it is coming up on St. Patrick's Day, yeah. right? So the first thing that comes to my mind is leprechauns. Oh. So next up on our list are leprechauns. Now, do you mean like Lucky Charms leprechaun, mm-hmm. or do you mean like leprechaun going to space type? Oh. Like what, eat your face off. Like the scary movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they're all the same thing. Okay, all yeah, right. So that Lucky on the front of the box takes on a whole new meaning. <laughs> Fair enough. Think about that. <laughs> Jason, a leprechaun is a small supernatural being in Irish folklore. Did you know that? I did know that. <laughs> I say that with all seriousness because <laughs> there are quote-unquote experts who have studied leprechauns according to the literature okay so this is a deep deep rabbit hole uh leprechauns are usually depicted as small bearded men wearing a coat and hat who partake in mischief (laughs) in more recent times leprechauns are depicted as shoemakers who have hidden a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that's what all the movies tell me i always believed there was something at the end i I thought as a kid I, i didn't necessarily believe in leprechauns but i did believe that the rainbow ended somewhere in the forest right like if you saw one yeah. it didn't just disappear somewhere it was like touching there ground, is an ending right and you could find it right so I, I i have to be honest there were a few times in life as a kid where i kind of saw a rainbow and i thought i'm gonna walk toward that thing i'm just gonna keep going <laughs> i'm gonna find the end of the rainbow it was never successful though i, I never could you never found a pot of, of gold or a leprechaun i didn't saying, find leprechauns i didn't find anything how you doing shannon <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but Jason, here's an interesting fact. Leprechauns are only male. Did you know that? What is it with this? I thought it was like the green soldiers. So like, uh, so they're only male. So there are they're no only male. Is there a female th- le- th- like a uh, like a uh, something equal to that or uh, equivalent to a leprechaun? Is there a- <laughs> well, let me quote the literature for you. Okay, I, I would love <laughs> to hear go it. to the source. Okay, according to ancient texts, and it's funny because this book was published in 1825. <laughs> ancient texts. Okay, okay. <laughs> Like uh, the book Fairy Legends and Traditions from the South of Ireland by Thomas Croker, and I have suspicion he is a leprechaun. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he said there is no evidence of a female leprechaun, which I, I thought was great. Because you know, you know my first question. <laughs> Apparently, there's plenty of evidence for male that there's male leprechauns okay. just, just everywhere, but no, no definitive proof of female leprechauns. However, leprechauns do have drunken cousins named chloricons. <laughs> okay. Now, Jason, this is only according to the leading experts okay. in the field. Okay. I wouldn't misquote this. No, this, you would not do that at all. No. Now, chloricons are said to haunt wine cellars, pubs, and breweries during the night. Because they like alcohol. <laughs> Apparently so. They're chloricons. So experts believe the chloricons were originally leprechauns. So they okay. started they, they Okay, are you with me? I, I think so. <laughs> They got so drunk one night that they magically turned into another species. <laughs> Man, that's a, that's a heck of a night. <laughs> it's like, you know, you open your eyes, you're like, what, wait what, a minute, what Frank, am I now? Frank? <laughs> You were a leprechaun last night. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Not today, good buddy. So, yeah, th- those are leprechauns. I mean, oh, the, Lord. you know, like you said, the most famous one is on the box of Lucky Charms. Right. And, uh, my daughters, they love Lucky Charms. Well, I should rephrase. They love the marshmallows. Oh, yeah. I think you can just Charms. get like a box of marshmallows now. I think you like your cereal box, but it's just marshmallows, I believe. Just those Lucky Charms yeah. marshmallows. Yeah. So that's leprechauns. They're green. They wear green. They have cousins who... Uh, are green from alcohol poisoning <laughs> <laughs> apparently apparently so uh but that's not all of the green things we have on the list no. jason so what do we have up next so my last green thing at least one third green traffic lights hey right so yeah. traffic lights aren't very fun <laughs> we no. don't get excited about oh today i get to go through you know four traffic lights or or whatever <laughs> yeah uh but they are necessary uh nonetheless so the first traffic light was manually operated in london england in 1868 so that was the first quote-unquote traffic light in human history and it wasn't electric it was manually operated but it served the purpose of controlling so someone just traffic. standing there pulling the yeah, light. yeah like you whatever. can go you can stop that type of thing uh the first electric traffic light was created by a gentleman named lester wire in 1912 in salt lake city utah the oldest still active traffic light uh, in the world and this is not very very far from us is in Asheville, ohio hmm. and it was installed in 1932 and it is still functioning Oh, very the, cool. The same traffic lot. Now, they have to maintain it some, but it's... Is the convention like green-red? Is that still it's, the same? It's Yeah, but it just it looks... just You have to Google it. It, okay. just, it just looks different. I mean, this does it really even look like a traffic... It almost looks more like a uh, like a meter, like a car meter for the like the sidewalk. Huh. You know, where you park on the side, that type of thing. It looks more like that right. than it does a traffic light, but it's kind of interesting. Uh, there are 300,000 traffic lights in the United States... 
Now, this this statistic blew my mind away. The average price of a traffic light, now not like a single, just a single one for a lane, but like, mm-hmm. let's say, at uh, an intersection, right, where you may have six to eight different lights that are hanging down, right? All that costs about $250,000. What? That blew my mind away. So they Why? said at, at, at an average intersection where you have like six to eight lights that are hanging down to do all the work, to wire it, and to and to have it function and everything is about $250,000 to install a traffic light, like six to eight different sets of lights at really any given intersection, a quarter of a million dollars on average. Goodness gracious. That, so, so I guess, why? and so, you know, I, I remember growing up, uh, you know, in, in particularly in the county I live in, I remember, you know, there's, there's a couple spots that we only have like three or four traffic lights in the whole county, but there were a couple spots where growing up, I'm like, why would they not put a traffic light here? What may it cost a hundred thousand dollars? Maybe I don't. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Yeah. That makes, yeah. Makes so sense. they are much, much more expensive than you would think. And I think mostly it's not just the technology is really wiring, but there's just a lot of stuff like under the ground that has to occur and just a lot that goes into it. And then they're actually heavier than you think. Mm-hmm. I mean, if those were to drop, they would they would do a number on a car. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a little bit heavier. Uh, and then another interesting thing that I know we're talking about green, but the yellow light did not exist until 1920. And what they saw was that there they were beginning to be accidents, even, even with horse-drawn carriages huh. and cars and or cars in the early 1900s, uh, because there was no such thing as a yellow light. It was green or red. And so people would, they, they couldn't, they didn't know when to stop. Like if it was green, then just suddenly it would just immediately be red and they would be like underneath it and they didn't know what to do. Oh, no. And and then it would change green simultaneously for the other person. So there wasn't oh. like this two or three second window of pausing. There wasn't like a caution. So they, they put in the yellow light as sort of like, hey, get prepared. It's getting ready to turn red. I read about a study a few years ago where uh, they increased the time difference between switching from a yellow to a red light mm-hmm. and it reduced traffic accidents by like a hundred percent. Oh, there's just no doubt. Like one to two seconds on oh, the yellow I'm, light. I'm sure because really, I mean, you think about it, most accidents could probably be avoided if, if either driver had one Mississippi. One, just one, one extra second, honestly. To get through. Yeah, t- yeah. Tons of, yeah. So that doesn't surprise me. And so, two, not just that, also adding on the amount of time that you kind of sit at a red light for all parties. So, right. so like, for example, like you said, there was that instant switch from red to green and then the other side green to red. Right. Simultaneously. Yeah. yeah. So I think modern day traffic lights don't do that. You'll notice if, right. you, if you pull up and you finally come to a stop, there's like a second and a half. Yeah, or two seconds that go by before anybody moves, right? And that's just to allow additional time for everyone to to come to a stop. Yep. for Jason Creek more to slow down because I need it <laughs> because you need another second before anybody moves. You know, I, I remember being a teenager. I was probably seventeen, eighteen years old, and the first time I was driving in Lexington, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm already you know white knuckled. I'm a nervous wreck. It's bumper to bumper, and you know, so I'm, I'm driving through there, and obviously I had went through traffic lights before, but in Lexington was the first time I had encountered the traffic. Traffic lights, and I don't know why this freaked me out, but they just had they they had them both vertical and horizontal. Okay, so I huh. so in, even today when you go in like to when you start toward downtown Lexington, kind of past Fayette Mall as you're driving more toward like the campus at UK, some of the traffic lights are actually horizontal. That they'll go like red, yellow, green, and then they have vertical, and then they also have traffic lights. And I don't know why this freaked me out, but had the arrows with them. Yep. And so, like, I had I had only seen vertical green. I hadn't mm-hmm. really seen like horizontal with an arrow. And I was like, "What is this? Is this a new language?" <laughs> you know. So I remember being seventeen, eighteen years old, and that sort of just you know just freaking me out. You know, at the time. So, have you ever come across the the traffic circles? 
Like there, the, there are no lights. The the roundabouts. The roundabouts. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there. I read a study uh, about that a few years ago too. That using roundabouts instead of traffic lights also dramatically cuts down on accidents. And you may say, well, why is that? And apparently, it's and it, it makes sense to me after I read read about it. Whenever you pull into a traffic circle, you are like hyper anxious about is it my turn? Who's coming? What's oh, going absolutely. On? Yeah, I am every time. Yeah, Every time. Uh, and, and it adds a level of anxiety that heightens your awareness and reduces the, you know, the chance that you could have a collision or run into somebody or whatever. Huh, that's because you're just kind of gradually easing into the traffic circle, looking around, going slowly. Whereas with traffic lights, you just trust the color of that light. Yeah. And then also, I think there's a certain element that you're on uh, autopilot. Yes. You know, I think that you pull up and you go and you don't even really remember even pulling up to that traffic light after right. a while. You know, it's very passive. Yeah. You're just doing what you're told to do. Hmm. Right. So, Jason, the last item on our list and one of the most deserving items, it's, you know, coming up on St. Patrick's Day, four leaf clovers. Oh, I love them. I, I love the idea of them. I love what they supposedly represent. I've never seen one. I found one. Did you really? In my entire life. One, and, one, and, four I, and I clover. actually had probably, uh, when I was younger, I spent a couple of evenings like out in this big field. Oh, I did too. And like, just looking for them? Like legit. Yeah. Yeah. Like hands and knees. I'd pick up with, a bunch, yeah. go through them. Yeah. Three, three, three. I three, found three. one. I actually found one one time ever. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the odds of finding that one okay. in just a second. So the four leaf clover is a very rare variation of the common three-leaf clover. According to traditional sayings, four-leaf clovers bring good luck, though it's unclear how or when this idea began. It's not one of those. <laughs> Probably like, with the leprechaun. <laughs> the leprechaun. Or his did. cousin. <laughs> how rare is a four-leaf clover? There are 5,000 three-leaf clovers to every one four-leaf clover, according to a study of over 5 million clovers. Wow. So, so somebody out there was on their hands and knees gathering up the equivalent of 5 million clovers. And yeah, so so 1 to 5,000. I would have thought it was more than that just based on my personal experience. Right. But if I'm going to be honest, I've probably not picked 5,000 Yeah, I don't think clovers. I picked that. I don't, I've not picked that many, but I probably have picked maybe 1,000 or two, really. Yeah, off and on. I mean, I remember doing that, you know, quite often as a kid. Especially, there were two evenings I was with uh, some cousins actually, and we went out there and just kind of did that for like hours. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought it was kind of luck of the draw. Like I did what you're talking about, just like the you know the big pile them all right. up approach. But you know, there were several times throughout life where I would just be walking along and think, I'm feeling pretty lucky. And I just spend that. It's kind of like winning the lottery. You know, right. if I've got 5,000 tickets, I'm fine. But it's just like, I'm going to pick one clover up and see what happens. Pick it up. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> Wait, a two leaf. No, I just tore its little thing off. <laughs> so, you know, pe people actually collect four leaf clovers as a hobby. Yeah. And I can see that. Oh, I mean, yeah. sure. Sure. Why not? Some collectors have reached records as high as 160,000 four leaf clovers oh, in a lifetime. Oh, my God. I, have I don't one. know what they're doing with I them. I had one. <laughs> yeah. Did you save it for a while? Uh, I, I'm sure I did. I can't really remember. I probably put it in like a baseball card box or something. I don't know. I did have it for a few days, it seems like. But yeah, but yeah, I've, I've only found one. Jason, I did something that I forgot to this moment that I had done before. All right. I had, I have, as a kid, I've taken a three-leaf clover with the glue stick. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. And and I made a four-leaf clover. Ta -da. So So yeah, you know, it's uh, the luck is the luck we make ourselves. That's right. Right. But I didn't stop there. <laughs> you went for a five-leaf clover? <laughs> I think I got six on there six. by the time it was all said and done. So, yeah, I, I guess if that counts in any record book, You books. must have been really lucky. It's like, like leprechauns are like sliding down rainbows, just throwing <laughs> gold on you. 
<laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they all came out and they said, how did he do that? They're on to it. You know, because it's like once humanity discovers that you can make your own four-leaf clovers right. and thereby create your yeah, own luck. All bets are off. It, it's over for the leprechaun. I mean, chloricons are going to abound. <laughs> Just, it's just over. The world record uh, for number collected uh, four leaf clovers in one hour is 166. Oh my gosh. In one hour. Where were they? Well, set by an American, Katie Borka, on June 23rd, 2018. So not that long ago. I wonder where she lived. I'm not sure. I, I think that would be an interesting point. I wonder if that has something to do with it. Like maybe, I don't know, like I'm sure it has something to do with how it grows and where it grows. Well, they and, do say yeah. that, that these are sort of, you know, they're, they're mutations. Some, right. some believe that. Others ha- uh, think it's environmental. So you can find four-leaf clovers more often in certain places, to your point. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she just had the luckiest <laughs> like, backyard in uh, San Francisco or what yeah, was going like on a, there. I found a six-leaf clover with an eyeball next to the nuclear plant, Father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't tell anybody about that. Oh, so. man. Yeah, I actually found this many, uh, six. Let me count them on my fingers. Yeah, six on one hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, four-leaf clovers, not found a real one. Maybe someday, though. I'm, I'm still holding That's out cool. hope that that might happen. So, Jason, I think this brings us to the end of our episode on things that are green. Anything else you want to add to this before we get ready to wrap things up? You know, on the on the drive over here, I did think about superheroes. You know, we yeah. have the, the green arrow. Yep. We have the green lantern. Yep. The Incredible Hulk is green. We do. The Green Hornet. Green Hornet. Was that that was that's a is thing. that right? Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm sure I missed it. I, missed, I thought it was maybe, maybe like, yeah. you know, made that one up or whatever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's that's good. So yeah, so you know, Green even exists in the superhero world. I thought about that too. I thought about putting some of those on this list, and then um, which we had the superheroes episode. Right. Yeah. I think we talked about a lot of those. Which Ninja Turtles kind of superheroes? Yeah, they I, are I in call Europe. Them superheroes. <laughs> yeah, they're just not ninjas. <laughs> they are heroes, but they're not ninjas. Right. Yeah. Well, this was a fun episode. Oh, yeah. I'm glad we did this. Oh, absolutely. We should do more of these. Thanks to all of our listeners. We appreciate you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for subscribing and sharing us with a friend. You can also find us on social media. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at SlapdashPod. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care, everyone.